0: This episode of See Here is dedicated to that purple, sexy motherfucker, Prince Rogers Nelson. Rest in peace.
1: To episode 27 of the See Here podcast, Morris speaking here in Melbourne. I'm joined by my esteemed and knowledgeable colleagues, first of all, Mr. Bernard Stickwell in Bath. Good evening.
2: Uh, good morning, Morris.
1: Indeed. Well, I tell you what, let's say good afternoon and we'll split the difference.
2: Oh, actually, uh, it, it, actually looking at the clock here, it is good afternoon, so we can uh, we can do that.
1: Good. Very good. And my other esteemed colleague in Seoul, Mr. Tim Merrill. Good evening to you.
0: Well, hold on for a second. I'm esteemed, but Bernie's the knowledgeable one.
2: Uh, Yeah, there's something wrong with that, isn't there? (laughs) Right.
1: (laughs) Anyway, hello out there listeners, whether you're esteemed or knowledgeable or both. In case this is your first time listening, we talk about films that have music somehow as a thematic element. Not necessarily a musical, but somewhere music is part of the story or musicians, whatever. Narratives, documentaries, welcome on board. We're here to entertain and inform you. And this time around, Tim, the esteemed and knowledgeable Tim, has gone and selected this month's film, which is... Hardcore Logo, Bruce McDonald, Out of 1996. What we'll do is we'll go for a quick break and play the trailer for you, and uh, then we'll get on and start talking about this film. So we'll be back in a moment.
3: Take my 15%, the van, the food, the gas, hotel, uh, four guys, 3,000 miles, five nights.
4: At this point, you do it for love. After a certain age, it's hard to make friends. And I've known Joe since I was 13. It'll be my responsibility again to take care of everybody on the tour. I
3: mean, We've been through shit, and we've been through hell and back, and we know
4: what it's like. We still survived. Like, this is a band. This is a gang. And if Billy's into it, and if John and Piper are around, I'll be doing it. And if they're interested, they'll be doing it with me. And if not, we'll see what happens.
1: back from break so uh, you heard a little bit of dialogue there from the film a little bit of the music so let's give a bit of a uh, IMDB pricey as to what this film is about so first of all yeah the film is Hardcore Logo from 1996 directed by one Bruce McDonald and so uh, what's the IMDB Pricey says it says Bruce McDonald follows punk band Hardcore Logo on a herring, last gasp reunion tour throughout Western Canada, a magnetic lead singer Joe Dick holds the whole McGilla together. I can't believe they use that word McGilla. Uh, I'll read that again. A magnetic lead singer Joe Dick holds the whole McGilla together through sheer force of will. All the tensions and pratfalls of life on the road come bubbling to the surface. Whoever yeah. wrote that ought to be slapped. Yeah, that was pretty awful. Yeah, it was pretty awful. Never, never mind. Well, that's why. We're here. We're here to give them a better idea, a better synopsis of the film. Just keep listening. We'll give you an idea what the film's about, and then you can go off and watch it if you haven't already done so. And if you have already done so, we hope to do honour to the film and hope that we don't fuck up your expectations.
0: All you need to know is this. Fly on the wall inside a van, five dates, shit, fuck, piss, shit, fuck, piss, shit, fuck, piss. The end. That's it. I killed a fucking goat. Do we need
1: to say any more about it?
2: No, you go on. Next <laughs> month, we'll be covering... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> all
1: right, I think we can do a little bit more about it. So, uh, all right, let's 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 do the uh, round table thing. I, 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 okay, because, Tim, this was your, uh, your pick. Let's hear about your history with this film and why you picked it.
0: Well, I think this film is distinctly Canadian, but in a way, it's absolutely not. Anybody who's ever toured in a van and basically lived inside the confines of a van for more than eight hours at a time on road trips from one town to the next where you're lucky enough to make gas money to wherever else you're going. That's a pretty common experience, but I think this is a distinctly Canadian film in the sense that uh, the film is an amalgamation of, of different Canadian bands and especially the western part of Canada, which is basically almost like a, an apocalyptic no man's land. It can be mm-hmm. to many, they try to cross it. The singer in Hardcore Logo, Joe Dick, was actually played by Hugh Dillon, who is a singer for a band called The Headstones. And I, I was familiar with Bruce McDonald's work before this film. With Highway 61 and Roadkill and the things he had done prior. And then I'd heard that he was working on the definitive Canadian punk film based on a book. No one had really had any idea what the casting was going to be. And then there was rumor that Hugh Dillon was up for the lead. And it was just like, that's perfect. He's already the lead singer of a band. But I think this film has a lot in common with Spinal Tap in the sense that there are a lot of moments that are funnier than hell to people that are strictly outsiders.
4: They see us on stage with tight trousers. We've got, you know, armadillos in our trousers. I mean, it's really quite frightening, the size.
0: But for anybody who's ever played in a band or had, like I said, the van experience, they would basically straight up tell you, that's not fucking funny. That's my life.
2: Mm. I live that. Yeah,
0: that's what a lot of people said about Spinal Tap. The same thing. I mean, it's exact. You know, as outrageous as it seems, you know, there's a lot of it
1: there. I know that there have been people out there who've gone and made the uh, obvious comparisons to Spinal Tap. I'd say in a way, okay, look, there are some superficial elements. It's a story about a band on the road and a band who's seen better days. They're having this other crack at it, but I, I tend to think that the ultimate tone of the films are actually quite different. This is Spinal Tap, you know they told definitely some home truths about guys in a band while taking the piss and as you say many sort is a real documentary Hardcore Logo certainly has some funny moments and most of them due to pipe fitter, I'd say the, the drama but I think essentially it's a drama the, the core similarity I guess between the two films as well in terms of a relationship thing is you've got uh, Nigel Tufnell and David St. Hubbins in Spinal Tap it's you know really the film is about a lot of the time about their relationship and in this film there's a relationship right. between Billy Talent and Joe Dick but I think that there's you could argue a right. case that in both films that the two main band members they're, they're like a, an old married couple if you will but I tend to think that there's a lot more drama going on in Hardcore Logo there's like the, the, the jealousy oh yeah the jealousy that's going on in Spinal Tap is really more played for laughs may for effect sure um, there, but there's some sure. serious stuff going on between Joe Dick and Billy Talon
3: where did Billy go? where's billy billy's gone oh where's billy billy
4: man you scared the shit out of me when you time travel like that oh oh it's good to see you back it scared me
2: i think the uh the type of man. uh hardcore logo is definitely a lot darker and spark oh, yeah and like you, you you say the uh the relationship between joe dick and billy talent it, it really goes to some sort of dark psychological places yes I mean, it asks questions about friendship, Um, you know, what does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be an artist and things like that, you know? Well, there's
0: one film I was saying to Morris a couple weeks ago we were talking about it, and I said that one film that really seems to um, come up in my mind when I watched Hardcore Logo, believe it or not, was The Wild Bunch, because of this idea that there's this gang of uh, guys that are basically become obsolete, that time has gone on and it's basically... They're being left behind mm-hmm. and that they're basically still going forward even though they know it's not going to end well and they're just basically walking straight into the sun and fuck everybody. They don't care.
2: I, I can see that. I mean, one of my notes is uh, it's almost like they are playing their roles in this and they know that they are playing their roles in this. They know it's going right. to end badly. And like you say, they're just walking into it because it's it's the choice they've made and it's who they are and it's what they they know they have to do.
0: Right. And there's a code. And, you know, I mean, there's a you know, I don't know if you want to call it a a masculinity code or a punk rock code or whatever. So be it. But but Joe Dick is the guy who tries to kind of adhere to the code Mm -hmm. like like Pike does. And, you know, Wild Bunch Mm -hmm. where Billy's the flaky dude. He wants to try to do it on his own terms where it's kind of like, ah oh, man, you gotta play it the way you gotta play it. Like you, you can't be fucking around with it. Like you, you gotta you know, be honorable or, or, or fuck off, you know. In a way, Joe Dick as a lead man, he's almost got this kind of warped kind of samurai code.
2: Yeah, absolutely. He- yeah
0: where he's he's kind of has to go out a certain way he has to has to be a certain way yeah and that's the only way
5: yeah
2: and
0: there's no veering away from that there's no trying to kind of do it any less or any 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 other way it's just not possible
2: yeah it, it, that's definitely right and i think hugh dylan does a really good job of being basically a complete asshole but at mm-hmm. the same time kind of hugely charismatic and like you say he's got this kind of warped sense of honor to to what he's doing and you can understand right. why he's being like that it's Uh, I think it's a really good performance on his part.
1: And he's honest about it.
2: Yeah. Welcome to the old days.
1: I want to step in because before we started recording, I alluded to the two of you that there was a film that I'd been watching in the last few days, which I hadn't seen in about 10 or 12 years. And there was something about it that struck me as a similarity thematically to Hardcore Logo. Before I mention that film... I think we need to sort of give a, a more refined pricey than the one that was on IMDb, so it'll make sense for those who haven't seen it. So basically, Hardcore Logo is this band which has seen better days, and they get together on the excuse that Joe Dick's mentor shot himself. Bucky, Bucky hate. hate. Bucky hate, uh, has... No, he uh, hasn't shot himself.
0: So somebody, somebody went and shot his legs out on excuse him. That's right. Sorry,
1: yeah. yeah, yeah, sorry. Uh, <laughs> so Joe Dick says, I'm going to organize this benefit in tribute to my mentor Bucky Hate, and I'm going to get the guys from my old band Hardcore Logo to get back together we haven't seen each other in a few years we're going to get back together with a bunch of other bands and we're going to raise all this money to benefit Bucky Hate because he's the man he's the guy who was my mentor and he is he, punk Yeah, he, he is punk punk personified but not all is as it seems as we right. this is a three-act film we discover something in the second act about joe dick's motives. now in in the band so there's there's himself as you know the obvious leader of the band uh there's billy talent the very ambitious guitar player who's finally got this opportunity he's coming back for this one-off gig but he's got this opportunity to join a band with a recording contract and that could make it big they're called jennifer there's the bass player john oxenberger who isn't cool enough to have his own nickname <laughs> and, uh, right. and with, without his medication he goes off the wall a little bit and then there's of course the drummer pipe fitter and unlike john, john, john oxenberger- sorry. <laughs> 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 right uh, sorry uh, i had to Actually, no. It, 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 totally. it's, um, it's Billy Talent who's John Ross. I mean, John Ox- yeah, it, it I looks like John that. Ross, but it's Billy Talent who licks the knife. Anyway, but no, pipe—that's Pipe- true. Pipe-, yeah. Pipe-, Pipe fitter is you know the—he's the one rock and roll figure. He's the, the the cliched rock and roll figure. You know the the guy who lives for the yeah, yeah and all the jokes. He's he, the moon. He is. He's definitely- absolutely. He's definitely the Keith Moon. All right. So, the point that I wanted to make out of this was that Joe Dick has basically. So, they, they get the band together to do this one off gig, and then he suggests, oh, and Bruce McDonald, the director, we get all meta because he hires Bruce McDonald to make a documentary about the reunion of the band. And then, you know, Joe Dick says, hey, look, we're together anyway. Why don't we go do a five city, five night tour of Western Canada and, you know, just relive some old times? The guys think, oh, yeah, okay. Why not? So they go off. It's this road trip, this road tour. All right, so now to get to the point. Joe, Dick, uh, and we can sort of work out as we go along how many spoilers we give, but not everything that Joe has gone and said is completely the truth as his motivation for getting the band back together. <coughs> but in his mind, he's gone and taken this unethical, immoral act to do for what he sees as the greater good. So the film that I right. was watching this weekend that had a very similar sort of a character with a very similar motivation was 1958 film directed by Orson Welles, Touch of Evil.
4: Told you I brought you up here for a reason.
1: Oh yeah. Hey. The character that Orson Welles plays, Hank Quinlan, is on the surface he's, he's this corrupt cop and uh, they're playing against the straight. By the book, decent sort of guy, played by Charlton Heston, uh, uh, Miguel Vargas. Hank Quinlan, who's been in the job for many, many years, it it comes out that he has gone and framed many of the people who he's gone and accused of crimes, including the main one in this film, but he basically says, I have this sixth sense because I work not by the book, I work by a a twitch in my leg, and I frame someone because I don't want to see them walk so he takes an unethical stance for what ends up being what he knows to be the right thing and I mean it's, it's a bit of a stretch but just watching that film today where Joe Dick goes and does and we'll we'll, have, we'll probably have to give this away. He basically hit the oh, well, whole. Well,
2: no, I, I you don't I think don't we don't have to. All right, okay, no, well... I, I I don't think so. All
1: right, we don't have yeah, to. Right.
2: not that specific. Well, I'm, I'm, well, let's cross that bridge when we get to it. Maybe right, okay, I so, don't know.
1: So Joe Dick has gone and you know, basically gone and told a little bit of a porcupine to the other members of the group for yeah. what he sees as the greater good. And yeah, I mean, I'm sure there are other films that, you know, plenty of other films that have done that. But just having watched that in the last few days, it, it's strange how I could make a connection between Orson Welles' Touch of Evil and
2: no, Hard, I, I can Hard absolutely Cornuga. see that. Mm. I can absolutely see that. It's interesting as well because uh, Joe Dick thinks it's for the greater good, but is it for his own personal greater good, or is it actually for the right. greater good of? And and you know that that sort of throws up some interesting questions about Joe Dick and his attitude and and so forth. So. Mm.
4: November 6th, it's Gary Cooper time high noon had my flying dream again last night I'm free riding the thermals over a rocky beach and whoosh all the air gets sucked out of the sky by some god with a straw and I fall watching the rocks grow larger below rushing up to meet my face and I know if I hit them I'll never wake up I know I'm going to feel my teeth breaking into my mouth and my skull shattering and my brain splashing like wet clay into the tidal pools. As I fall, I know this is no benign passing from one world to a better one, but a jolt of unimaginable and pointless pain before a total and final negation and erasure of all that I am. So I figure I better wake up. All told, a shitty night's sleep. Joe hasn't slept in something like 32 hours, probably scored some blow
1: think he was holding a cross or something. So let's talk a little bit about the characters and, and particularly Bruce McDonald's approach to the characters in the film. What I really admire about how he approached this, and as you said, Tim, this was based on a book, so I don't know how close this follows the original book or you know how, much, how many liberties Bruce has taken with it, but I'll attribute it to him that you've got the Joe Dick character who's got his own motivations for getting the band together and he's true to the art form and you know he's he's asked by uh, an interviewer are you jealous of billy talents you know his ambition to make it in a big band he said well yeah i'm jealous by the fact that he wants to do that rather than hang with us but for the for the money i i you know i'm not jealous at all you know because it's the music it's the band that's the thing so it, it could easily have fallen into a, a really sort of kitschy tale about true art versus capitalism. But Bruce McDonald never right. judges either character. He says, you've got legitimate reasons for what you want. And mm-hmm. Billy, you, you've got very legitimate reasons for doing what you want. And I mean, really, in the end, I think, to a degree, you know, John Oxenberger and Pipe Fitter, it's, you know, they're peripheral characters. It's really more about the relationship yeah. between... Joe, Dick, well, as time. much as
0: as much as people want to look at at music as black and white, and saying, "Well, there's the artist, there's art, and then there's commerce." I mean, it's never black and white. There's always the gray, correct? Because I mean, it's it's you know, it's not as it's not as cut and dried as as you know people want to make it out to be. And I think that that's what's really interesting is like the one thing that I I find that really ties them both together: Joe Dick and Billy is with Oxenberger's journal. Yeah. Where he's, he, he's keeping this journal because he's kind of suffering from a little bit of mental illness. You okay? I, I can't
4: find my description. Your pers- your pills. Yeah. And his
0: journal is kind of his inner voice. He's able to kind of scribe out on a page. And he's saying, you know, like you said earlier, Morris, you know, he always thought he wasn't cool enough to have a alternate name. yeah. But he said, you know, like, these guys, Joe Dick and Billy Talent, gave themselves these names when they were kids. Right. And they're still calling themselves these names as adults. How long are they going to call themselves these names? Mm. You know, and it's like, how long are you going to live in this identity of you late adolescence you know like well, I mean that's, well, that,
2: that, uh, that's an interesting thing again that's a difference between Joe Dick and Billy Talent Joe Dick is still living that you know it, it's about the art it's about the uh, you know it's about living by this code of ethics whereas Billy Talent's more practical and you know they're approaching 40 they've got bills to pay why shouldn't I make a living off of this
1: but but in a way you could also argue that really both of them are still living in adolescence because like absolutely it, yeah they got to right, be, right. I'm sure there've been many articles in in music journals and music magazines that say right well has rock and roll grown old has rock and roll aged well and these two characters you know regardless neither of them neither of them are sort of willing to go take whatever the nine to five job is going to be they still want to see either for the art or for making a living they're still going to make their living or, or do whatever in a band and you know i'm not saying that's you know one way or the other i think that bruce is also asking the le- legitimate question are these guys in fact actually beyond it are they supposed to be leaving it to the next generation of kids yeah, yeah. the next generation right. of belly and right. joe dick so because
2: can you be a 45 year old funny
1: it's like you know he's taking
0: that stance that the 17 year old kid would would take where you know, so and so sick, so he's out of the band. So I'm going to be in the band. So I'm going to be the guy. You know, it's like that's that's the kind of attitude that a kid would take, yeah. Not an adult. You know, that's that's you know where, where he's
2: well, he's he's refused career to grow objectives up, isn't he?
0: because the other guy, right? But the other yeah. guy's a junkie. Yeah, that, so yeah. the other guy's in the hospital, and that's the only reason Billy's in. And then you know, and then you see him initially where he throws the phone outside. and He's all pissed off, like fuck, man. The guy's back. And then he finds out later, no, he's not. And then you know, I'm going to be in again. Like you know, it's like he's got so much riding on this little pithy guitar gig. That's you know, it's just it's just hilarious. I, I and, that, and that there's a lot of reality to that because I know I've known bands that have been
1: in that position with people. Same thing. I, w- I wanted to sort of make a make a couple of quotes from the film <coughs> that sort of illustrate the two sides to this because as we've gone and said, this film is done as a mock documentary and so you get the moments where each one of the band members is being interviewed by bruce so there's uh, a moment where you know joe dick is saying well you know there's two ways to look at it billy just wants the models and limousines i'm happy with the hookers and taxi cabs and then within i think the same scene you know billy says he he's just fucked it up because he didn't want to take it up to the next level and really in those two sentences that sort of describes you know what we've been talking about I mean yeah, you see yeah. you see plenty of other evidence of it on screen but those two sentences you know like you know, uh, Joe is saying right all he's in it is for the money I'm I'm staying true to the form and Billy's saying right, well you know he's just Happy to play the clubs, and I want something a whole lot more, and why not?
2: It's uh, it's interesting as well. I think what the film captures really well is the, uh, the time, because this was, what, 96 came out, didn't right. it? And this was <coughs> that period where, uh, you know, the, the underground, the punk scene, whatever, was beginning to be co-opted and become part of the mainstream. Mm. And it was actually viable that you could come from a punk band and actually go on to, you know, be a musician making interesting, talented music that, you know, was derived from punk. If you go back 10 years, uh, you know, their kind of argument probably wouldn't have been, or their issues with each other probably wouldn't have been as valid because, you know, that kind of scene, that kind of thing wasn't quite happening yet. So, it it catches the sort of transitionary period really well.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I agree with you, Burn 100%. But one other thing I was going to say was the one thing I like about this film is how it's, you know, like you were talking earlier, Morris, about being meta
5: Mm.
0: with with Bruce McDonald, you know, hiring Bruce, the director of the actual movie and whatever. Well, it goes beyond that where the one thing I love about this film is that they actually blend a lot of reality into the film where, for example, you know, of course, you've got Joey Ramone. Talking about Hardcore Logo. Bucky Hit was a
3: really good friend of mine. If someone shoot your friend. You got to do something about like that. And, you know what?
0: Hardcore Logo are doing is a really cool thing. And then you've actually got, like, when they're playing that first gig at the Commodore Ballroom in Vancouver, DOA is playing.
5: Yeah, I
2: thought that was DOA. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And they're they're a legendary Canadian punk band that never really played stadiums or anything, but like, you know, but they're known like throughout North America as like legendary. But they never really went beyond the bar circuit, right? Mm-hmm. And then there was a guy named Art Bergman who was actually on stage there too. And Art Bergman's like a really well known West Coast Canadian punk guy. He was legendary. Like an actual real Bucky Hate. And then the diodes that were another Canadian punk band. And they were up on there too. Because the other nod to the diodes is that they're driving at night, and it's just Billy and Joe in the you the front of the van, and they're sitting there singing, "I'm tired of waking up tired, yeah, yeah. waking up tired." That's an old diode song. Okay. So I mean, there's a lot there's a lot of Canadian punk throughout this film that's saturated. So that's what I mean. That it's great about this film is it's yeah. not like. They're trying to kind of paint it as what they think it is. They're actually, you know, incorporating a lot of. Yeah, it's
2: genuine. Yeah. It's real. Yeah. It's it is. It's genuine. Yeah. It involves and is made by people who came from within that scene and they know what they're talking. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I've had friends in bands, you know, central Ontario, like from Toronto area, that have done the run, that have gone across the prairies, the western part of Canada. And it's no joke. I mean, if you're doing it in the wintertime, it's brutal. And it's almost like an apocalyptic landscape because a lot of Western Canada is just flat. And you see some of it when they're going past the giant wheat fields, like the wheat yeah. bales and everything else in the film. But it's so funny because I had a couple of friends of mine. They're in this band called the Snow Dogs out of Toronto. And every time they do the, uh, the Western leg of their tour, they'd call it uh, Das Boot. Like, like, you know, the, uh, <laughs> yeah. the sub film, because, and that, and the film and the hardcore logo, actually, there's the bit when pipe fitters, uh, they got the hole in the in the roof of the, of the truck, right. that little bubble yeah. where yeah. he's sticking his head out and he's looking around. Right. And it's almost like he's in a sub or like a periscope or something. Right. That made me laugh so much because like my buddies used to call it Das boot because they were saying, right. it's like, you know, you're in the tin can for so long. And then you get, like, two hours of action, and then you're back submerged again, back in the tin can, right? Right. So you're doing dust Boot, you know? Because right. it's, it's about a 25-hour run, even more, across the prairies. Like, it's
1: – and that's non stop driving. I mean, you know – Huge. I, are, are, the, are the roads fairly straight, or are they windy? Are they going around hills? I mean, that, that, that run that they did – They're straight. They're fairly straight.
0: And Until you get up to the Rockies, and then when you get up to the Rockies, as soon as you hit the Rockies, they're all winding and everything. But along through Winnipeg, through Manitoba and Saskatchewan, it's just as straight as a ruler. Uh, But the thing is, I've known people that are the best of friends and that would never, ever say a bad word about the other one. And it's just like, I love you like a brother, man. I'm going to be the guy that buries you. You're going to be my best man at my wedding. And then they go into a tour across the prairies, and it's like, fuck you, cocksucker. I wish you were dead. <laughs> You're dead to me. Hey. No, like, I've seen this, you know? So I understand perfectly, like, I- this this film gets it perfect.
3: Okay, let's get a few things in the open. Quite the hotel guy in Regina called. You shit on the fucking pillow, wipe your ass with a fucking bedspread. That, you know, that's uncool. I don't get that. What the fuck is that?
0: Didn't have no, no, that's not.
3: Johnny Your fucking writing is nuts You're not taking your medicine You're fucking fueling something dangerous John, what do you
4: know about danger, huh? Johnny danger, danger Will
3: Robinson I'm trying danger to
4: help you I'm trying to help you You gotta relax
3: We got three days left And you gotta chill I'm your friend And you gotta chill You must listen to me
0: Yeah Where you know Yeah Like okay. where you know uh, Um, Oxenberger starts freaking out And they're like Shut up Ox Shut up And he's like Rah! You know or else it's like, wh- where's my 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 my, my pills? Yeah. I, I I don't know, d- 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 don't know where your p- 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 pills are. You know, it's like, mm. like, when, they, they, uh,
2: like when they uh they pull into the, uh, <coughs> the the roadside services place to get some food and pipe oh, yeah. and sleep, and they, they just leave him. Yeah, there. they go in right. And, right. and carry on, and he wakes up and he's like, right. man, I'm really hungry. And they were like, dude, you slept through it, you missed it. He's like, I want to <laughs> fucking turn back, you know? They're like, fuck you, dude. we're oh, asleep. No
0: <laughs> that's really happened, I mean, there's bands that's happened in bands
2: do you think that's a thing that band when you've got two, three, four people just in a like you say a tin can <clears their throat> amount of time, do you think people yeah. just fuck with other people in there just for amusement? Is it just why sure. they play those absolutely outs? yeah, just absolutely. Being spiteful, yeah. Mean for just yeah, yeah, for a laugh, you know
0: because you know what it is a lot and people have even said this to me in the past. Where it's almost like when you're drunk, where some people feel, well, hey man, come on, I was tr- drunk I you know I didn't mean it, I was drunk, mm-hmm. right, hey, man, like come on, you know it, it's like because you're in extenuating circumstances, yeah, yeah. that er- everything is permissible, you know, and it's like right, drunk, oh, come on, nice. man, we were on the road, you know yeah. like, you know whatever yeah. you know it's like come on man i didn't I didn't mean to dump that cup of piss on you, you know it's it's <laughs> like, come on, you know, I'm just fucking with you, dude, come on, I, I you know, I love you,
1: you know. You mentioned something about the dome on top of the bus, and I made a note about that in relation to another point that I made. Okay, so the question I wanted to ask you guys was whether you thought that uh, this film could have been made as a straight narrative as opposed to a mock documentary. And the only sort of point I want to make, I mean, I think it worked fine as it was. It could have worked the other way. But it seemed like in that bit where we're looking at Pipefitter looking at like a child through the dome, that, all, all the photography or most of the photography that you see in the film looks like fly on the wall, intruding camera into a conversation. But that looked right. to me like a, a staged shot, like a, a real documentary I don't think would have set up a shot like that that's too staged that's too narrative and and, i mean look that's it's neither here here nor there but it just sort of struck me as odd but anyway so moving away from that for a second just the question i asked both of you so bernie you first do you think that this film could only have worked in the mock documentary style that it does or could it have worked as a straight narrative
2: i think it uh, could have easily worked as a straight narrative i think it's i guess it's a stylistic choice to do it Mm-hmm. as a documentary and I think that brings certain things to it that would have been trickier to do as a straight narrative but you flip the coin if if it had been done as a straight narrative then they would have been able to do things that they weren't able in, in that sort of documentary format so uh, Essentially, I'm saying six or one half dozen of the other. I, I think it would have worked either way. Right. But I, I'm more than happy with how they chose to do it. I think it's, you know, I don't necessarily think it would have improved doing it mm-hmm. the other way. But right. I, yeah, I'm sure I could have seen it work in both ways. Yeah.
1: I mean, Spinal Tap, notwithstanding, I mean, I can't remember, what were the dates of the other Christopher Guest films? I mean, were those, you know, uh, Mighty Wind and... and uh, they were that, The mid-90s. Yeah, the mid-90s and on. So this is going on the same time as the
2: Christopher Guest films? Uh, roughly, yeah, yeah I reckon, yeah.
1: Maybe
0: I'm way off here, but just indulge me for a minute. I think, in a way, also, this film is kind of taking the piss with stuff like Werner Herzog, because... You know, like in the beginning when you're hearing the guy speaking in a different language and then you're hearing the bongos and Mm. there's a lot of stuff in this film that is kind of done almost like, you know, you know, they do that in documentaries. Mm -hmm. But it's almost artsy for the sake of being artsy. Yes. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? Like there's some of this some of this film in the beginning and there's other parts where it's just artsy for the sake of being artsy. And it's almost like they're kind of taking a swipe at some of these like kind of, you know, chin scratchers, you know, like like yeah. Herzog and and some of these other dudes, you know, where, you know, it, it it's almost like he's trying to be a highbrow and lowbrow at the same time. Yeah, if that makes that. any sense.
2: Yeah. yeah, Certainly towards the start there there's a couple of like you say, the uh what I got from the uh bongos and that that kind of thing. It made me think of Heart of Darkness. Right. And the, again, you know, they, they go on this journey. It's, you know, it is heart mm-hmm. of darkness. It is apocalypse now to an extent, I guess, isn't it? Yeah. Right. So,
1: yeah, yeah. Right.
2: Without the napalm, but.
1: <laughs> I love the smell of weed in the morning. <laughs> I don't want to get into any
0: spoilers, but Bernie, with the whole Bucky hate thing, I was yeah. talking with Morris about this at another time. I got a real Rocky Erickson vibe from that okay. guy.
2: Um, I got more of a maybe John Lydon around the time of the Pistols. He was very in your face. It felt very calculated as opposed to genuine. He was like really being weird and believing his own weirdness as opposed to genuinely being weird. That's kind of what I got from it, if if, if you know what I mean.
0: Well, I I, I kind of said it like with Rocky in the sense that he was a guy that was actually out there playing music. Yeah. And when everything became too much, he became insulated.
2: He withdrew and into he went, this kind of.
0: And he, withdrew, and he withdrew into it. And then, you know, it's like, well, you know, where everybody wanted to be close to him and wanted to kind of, you know, feel that vibe, you know, that he emanated, you know, like that's where Joe Dick, He's enamored with this guy. Yeah. And he's not, and he doesn't really know the guy. He's enamored with the with mythology.
2: The yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Right. So yeah. then when he actually meets the guy, and the guy's just like, well, this is who I am. Is this yeah. what you think I am? You know? And then, when the, and then when the guy says, welcome to my world, here, drop some acid. And they're all like, whoa, you know? And it's like, shit, man. And he's just like, okay, you've had your ride.
2: Now fuck Let's off. Fuck off, yeah. Put it
0: this
5: way. Ever back this way? Don't drop
0: him. and I, and I wonder like that's how I got the feeling about Rocky, where there's so many people that think you know they're going to be around the guy he he's kind of like this energy source that emanates all this this greatness or whatever, and then when you get close to the guy and you really see see him for what he was, it's see, just kind of like
2: it's interesting oh. i I get what you're saying, but and I don't know whether it was how it was written or how um right Julian right. Richings, who played Bucky Haight how he actually right. chose to play it. But like I say, I, I got from him more that he was a lot more self-aware of what he was doing. And it was right. More He's much, more snide. Yeah. And it, there was a kind of pretense to what he was doing. Whereas with Rocky, right. It was more of a genuine reaction because it's right, right, you know, right, right. kind of mental frailty, I guess. And but there's then, also yeah.
0: the other side of it too, where Joe Dick is a snide motherfucker. Yes. And he, to everybody. And, and then all of a sudden when he comes to the guy, that you know, he loves the guy's a snide motherfucker to Joe Dick. There you
2: go, yeah, yeah. And it's
0: right back in his face and Joe Dick's like when he you know, when Joe Dick's standing there and he's got the the goat blood on his face. Yeah and, and Bucky says to him, Did you have a good time? You know, like yeah. did you get what you came for? You know, like now fuck off. You know, like that's it.
2: That's pretty much the only point in the film where Joe Dick is kind of not quite sure. <clears throat> what to say or how to react as well, isn't it? That's the only time he's kind of a little disarmed. It's, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's, you know, I guess it's, it's undermining the, his foundation, isn't it? It's showing that maybe his life and uh, these ideals that he believes in, maybe they're not sort of built on solid concrete, you know? So can I no,
0: bring-
1: no, that's, to me, that's the only moment of clarity, yeah. really, in the whole film. Yeah. I was going to bring up another scene where we – I think it's a moment of pretense from Joe Dick. But, like, you know, because you've, you've been saying it there, right, I mean, he was a really very snide to most people, but he becomes like a pile of mush in front of Bucky hate. But there's mm. only one other moment where he's neither, where he actually sort of, I think, is putting on the pretense, but just because he's, I don't know if he's trying to do the right thing, he might hold contempt for this person. But there is one of the most awkward scenes in the film, where after one of the gigs, there was a, a woman who... The band had known from years before, a groupie, Yeah, and she's my Oh, Mary. Yeah, Mary! You
4: <laughs> doing? Oh, you know, I'm still here, live my life. Uh-huh. I don't think you met my husband, have you? Uh, Evan, this is Joe Dick. Oh, yeah, Joe. Evan. A Evan. And this
3: is our daughter. That's sweetie.
5: That's sweetie. What's your name? Uh, Billy. She's, <laughs> she's not usually
3: so shy. A little scared. Doesn't <laughs> yeah. like the monster. <laughs> Anyway, you, you
4: guys sound great, better than ever.
3: Seriously? Oh, come on, it, it, it was crazy. <laughs> Whoa,
4: seriously? Yeah. <laughs> then
3: she gets a shirt. Hey. You want a t-shirt? With band? Say thank you, are the Billy. boys. On, Best rock and roll you, band in North America. <gasps> nice me. we Hey, thanks, we'll see you. All right.
1: She's moved on. She's married now with seven or eight-year-old daughter who Mary's gone and named Billy, and, yeah, you know, she's there with her husband and her daughter and, and uh you know, she's indulging in safe nostalgia. And Joe Dick yeah. greets her politely, unlike anyone else who he'd greet, who he'd say, you know, yeah, oh, you like the show? Fuck off. Um, yeah, yeah. But, but with her, he, it's he, – the, the two of them share this moment of nostalgia. I mean, look, he, he can't wait in a way to get – he gives her a hug and then he sort of moves on to whatever, you know, snort some blow or have another drink. But right. that's the one moment where he treats someone, apart from Bucky, hate treats them with a little bit of politeness, and you know th- he has he has no motivation for doing it. I thought it was uh, you know an interesting point that he well, didn't the- just treat her like shit.
0: They both share the nostalgia though that she sees it the way he sees it. Right. So yeah. he respects her. I think that's what it is.
1: Yeah, well, but and, but the thing is, like, he's still in his mind living the dream of being in the band, right. and she's showing, right. well, sure, you know, sure. well, I'm sure. I'm here with my daughter and with my husband, you know, I've I've right. moved on, but let's talk for a minute or two right. about the old days.
2: It's interesting because I, I think the way he reacts to her implies that there's more going on there than you actually see, and so right. that the conversation he has with Billy afterwards. Billy's a little taken aback. And again, it sort of implies that maybe they, they've probably both had relations with her right. back in the day. Well,
0: Billy asked him, yeah. did you fuck Mary? He said in the van.
2: Well, and also the interesting <laughs> thing, I, I kind of didn't twig this till afterwards, but right at the end of the film when you get a what are they doing now update. Yep. And he says he's, yeah, he's involved in a, uh, a paternity case with uh, custody of his daughter. Oh, and right. It, it was only a little now, bit later. I thought, oh, no, hang on a moment. Mary <laughs> was like eight years old, wasn't yeah. she? Oh, What's going on there? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, the, you know, that, yeah, that an awful lot is The thing with Billy that's
0: really strange is, did you guys notice, are you guys familiar with the Poppy family?
2: No. The Poppy family? No, no.
0: The Poppy family, there was a guy named Terry Jacks from Canada, and he wrote Seasons in the Sun. Okay, you know yeah. that really famous yeah. song, okay. right? Yeah, 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 well, yeah. Well, he had a group called the Poppy family, and they had a really big hit in Canada and now actually in the States. Which way are you, you going, Billy? So in the film, every time they're in a restaurant and Joe's talking to Billy, in the background you hear, which way you going, oh, no way. Billy? And the, and they're playing that. And it's almost like, you know, like wh- which way is he going? Is he going to stick with the band or is he going
2: to go with Jennifer? Wow. Oh, no, I didn't get and, that reference at all. That's really clever, isn't it? Yeah. 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 There's awesome.
0: there's all kinds of little things. And the other thing is that I really thought was funny about the relationship between uh, Billy and uh, Joe is when Oxenberg, when he wasn't on his medication, when he's talking to Merrick. Mary- and he's going, yes. well, I don't know why they're like that. And, you know, like, maybe it's that time that Joe fucked Billy in the ass that one night yes. when he passed out.
4: <laughs> anyway, Joe talks Billy on the side of the head when he's not looking. And Billy flushes Joe's stash down the toilet. And then they, they just started wailing on each other. We, we, we didn't even make the stage. major disaster all the way around.
5: They, they were fighting over movies? No, uh,
4: that was just how they dealt with the real issue, which was Joe fucking Billy up the ass the night before. <laughs> what? Mm-hmm. Probably out of spite. I wasn't there. Maybe it was a bet or a competition they had, or maybe they were trashed, and, and Joe nailed Billy when he's passed out. Yeah, it's fake.
5: And she's like, what? He's, <laughs>
0: it's almost like he's a tape recorder where he was just sitting in a room and nobody knew he was there or they forgot he was there. Yeah. And they were just having this conversation between two of them. And he just got every single word, you know?
1: Yes. Little Billy, her her daughter, ends up you know talking to Pipefitter. And he's the real child of the band. He's the only one who can talk to Billy <laughs> and identifies with her because as he's talking yeah, to right. her through the sandwich, oh hello Mr. Sandwich, <laughs> are you going to eat me? It's a, it's yeah, a yeah. very spinal tap yeah. moment in a way <laughs> Uh, Very quickly, so that we heard a few songs in the film. We are a music film podcast, so, you know, just the the songs. Like, uh, uh, there was... um The main one that they played a few times in the film. Who do you think you are? Did you enjoy the songs? Did you dig the song? I mean, that sounds like very old school punk that did not belong in nineties punk, but they were an old band, possibly you know where they're struggling to sort of uh, regain their audience. Yeah,
2: but again, that that's kind of another detail they get exactly right, isn't it? They're playing this. Absolutely. But no, I I thought it was great because
0: everything that was punk at at that time, everything that was punk in the past, like for example, Blondie. Mm-hmm. Devo B52s talking heads whatever you want today kids would just say that's not punk well yeah. that's not your punk but that's what punk was yeah and i mean them doing sonic reducer that was actually Hugh dillon really singing and them really they, they really put a band together to do that i mean this wasn't other people singing those songs this was these guys actually they played that stuff
1: well, i didn't yeah, realize i wasn't tell. sure yeah, you can see
0: yeah, they yeah, they yeah, did. They yeah. did. So, I mean, I thought that was great. You know, that they actually, you know, I mean, how how the hell can you make a, a, a music documentary about a band and have a bunch of guys go up there and dub it over? Like, you couldn't. There's no way you could get away with that,
1: you know? I, know, I mean, I tended to think Any that minutes, there, there were moments, ever since I was a young kid, I watched film clips or films, I watched the drummer, because you can't tell from the guitar player or the bass player or the keyboard player. You can tell from the singer, maybe... And you can tell from the drummer. And there were moments where I was right. watching what pipe filler was doing. And I think he's not playing that. Oh, I mean, that's not to say that in the studio they didn't record with that guy behind the drums. I've no idea. But what we were seeing there was not a live performance. But you know, no. What, but what but I they, think
0: they did was they recorded as a band with those guys in the studio, and then right. they has dubbed it over. Sure. But it was them playing it. One of
1: the <coughs> greatest compliments I could give to these guys was that if I didn't know that this was a mock documentary I really would have thought at times it was a documentary the acting was just they were completely believable as a band they were not just completely believable as the characters but in their situations you know like even though even though um, you know Pipe Fitter and John Oxenberger sometimes you know seemed a little bit more on the comedic side of things you know with 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 oxenberger i I lost my pills i lost my pills and you don't necessarily completely always get the sense of desperation that he had but yet his character was believable you know when he's waiting in the phone booth uh he's saying to uh, uh saying to bruce hey bruce you have a girlfriend you really ought to call her that was believable the uh drama between joe and billy was always believable i think really the best thing i can say about these guys who they picked to make the film was everything that they did made me think hang on is this really a mock documentary yeah. or is this the real thing it, it was right
2: it was i like the uh the scene where they uh they pull up to the club and like the club's been closed for two weeks and no one even bothered to tell them and they're right. like you know they're, they're knee deep in snow and they all just fucking lose it with each other
4: i don't fucking believe this Joe, what the fuck is this? Well, it wasn't fucking closed last week. Mulligan booked it, so shut your fucking mouth. Looks like in the license was revoked. Fantastic. What are you gonna do now, Joe? Manage? Do yourself a favor, Billy. Fuck off. So, uh, what do we
3: do, uh, now? Last night I sold fucking 20 t-shirts and made a hundred bucks. And then you fucking lost it, so shut up! Look quite, Felcher. I've told you five times that I'm fucking sorry, so you shut the fuck up! Um, i tell you what, I got a proposal for
4: you. Um, you take all the money I got, and then the next fucking place we stop by, you can just give it all away. You cheap fuck, you must have some money. 'cause you've been hogging down the deli trays? You can't be spending your per on food. Oh, so I suppose you want your per back now, mister so-and-so? Fuck, you're an idiot. Well, you're a coke. Well,
2: you're a fucking idiot. And you're a coke. And, yeah, it just feels so genuine. They're all pitch perfect in that scene. They so are I, through, out. Eh?
0: The girl's giving an interview, and Joe says, hey, uh, can you do me a favor? You fuck off, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, like, I've heard people say that. Yeah. So when I when I saw this film the first time back in 96, actually what was really cool was that I went and saw the film at my university theater I think it was like 7 o'clock. The film got out at 9, and then I went and saw the Headstones play at 10.30 oh, at the wow. bar next door. Wait. So Joe was singing with his band. Wow. And I actually got to sit and talk to him about it, and he said it was the easiest thing he'd ever done. It wasn't hard at all. It was just, you know, I've lived
2: it. I hope he um, he wasn't as much of an ass as, uh, oh, no. as uh, no, no. Joe Dick is. I, think uh, no, his, no. I As I said earlier, I think his performance is amazing because Joe Dick is... He's a giant asshole, but he is—he's articulate, he's sharp, he's, he's spiteful. He, he, but he, he's, he's kind of vulnerable as well, and there's there's some right. little chinks in his armor and all that stuff. Really, really well, I think.
1: Right. See, that's the thing—he's treating people like shit, and he he goes and tells people, "Yeah, you go fuck off." And yet, the whole thing—he needs this group. He needs them as a gang. Yeah, um, yeah. He he desperately wanted them to get back together to get on the road. At one point, he goes and proposes to bill he says i love you man uh maybe you and i should do something after this tour let's not worry about pipe fitter and, 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 and oxenberger just just you and me but he tries to think that he's talking the talk but he's Really, very, very desperate, and we're not going to give anything away. But the resolution at the very end of the film shows just how much desperate, how um, much desperation there was. That was that came out of the blue. I had no expectation. Yeah, was going to happen. I I, I was going to say,
2: what what do you guys, again, without giving anything away, what, what do you guys think about the ending?
0: His whole goal was to make sure the hardcore logo was legendary, one way or another.
2: Sure. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I and I think that you know it's like if it if it, if it wasn't going to come one way it was going to come another. Right. And that was it. Yeah. They're going still going to talk about them. You know, years after they're gone. Sure. Yeah. And that was the band. That was the band with all the shit with Bucky Hate, where you know, like they blew all this smoke up his ass, and how he was the legendary guy, and blah 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 blah. And then the reality is the further from the furthest thing from the truth. Mm. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It's the legend. It's, That's right. It's the hype. It's it's everything that comes with that. Yeah. So, so in it, the end, it's like, well, if it wasn't going to come one way.
2: Yeah. It's uh, it's it's certainly a, a logical, version you know, of what's come before. So, um, so I, right. I don't know if if I liked it personally, but that was just on a purely oh shit kind of level as opposed to right right. You know, it, it kind of made sense. So, uh, so yeah.
1: Tim, are you suggesting that Bucky hate is uh, like the the little man behind the green curtain in the Wizard of Oz?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: And this is the thing, you know, about really, you know, the only reason that people kind of, you know, admire musicians and artists and athletes or whatever half the time is because they've never met them. Right. They've never actually spent time with them, they've never really seen them, you know, suffer and have to go through all their foibles and everything else. And I mean, when you realize that, you know, that these people are just fuck-ups, just like you and I, it really kind of deflates, you know, the image, you know, and that's yeah. it.
2: And like you say, people would much prefer to uh, believe the legend, the story, the romance version oh, yeah. than they actually would deal with the fact that, you know, people are flawed and assholes right. and make wrong decisions. So, and yeah, yeah.
0: So I know we don't do grades here at C here, but I, I put it out to you guys. Did I do all right with this one? Like uh, thumbs up or thumbs down or what do you think yeah, about it?
2: yeah. Two, two thumbs, thumbs up. For me. Absolutely. Two thumbs up. Excellent film. I'm surprised it's not more uh, well known to be honest. I, I think it's an excellently I think it's an excellent film. It's yeah, it's just got a lot going for it. I'm surprised people don't know well, about it.
0: In Canada, it's one it's it's been registered as one of the best ten Canadian oh, really? films ever made. No wow.
1: Well I, if I was Bruce MacDonald, I'd be proud to um have said I made that. That really yeah. Yeah, that that could be anyone's Top ten, any list that you want to make. Okay. The last
0: thing I want to say about this film to me is that this film would go alongside another film that we've actually covered to see here really well, as far as I'm concerned, and that would be the Fabulous Stains. Yeah,
2: yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I like this a lot I, I like I, this
1: a lot better than the Fabulous Stains.
2: The Fabulous Stains is lo- like the right, but I would, could see glow bubblegummy version of this, isn't it? Sure, sure. Yeah, but what I'm yeah. trying
0: to say is that there's two perspectives of life on the road. There's the idea of, you know, like a Svengali or somebody putting a band together and then, you know, the band itself, like, you know, like you say, you know, there's the sweet and there's
1: the sour, you know? Yeah, yeah. There's another film which I'd forgotten the name of for many, many years and I I must have come across a forum sometime last year and remembered it was called Bandwagon. I'd seen it in the cinema back in the 90s and it was another case of a film – about a band although this was not about a band that had seen better days this was, you know a bunch of guys who were getting together for the first time all very different characters and they uh, sort of get ran together around this uh, one particular set of songs written by their songwriter and they go on the road but for reasons which are not the the truth does not come out until later on in the film so Anyone out there who's... um, If you haven't seen Bandwagon, look this up. Came out in 96, 97. Not to be confused with the Sid Charisse film from the 1950s, The Bandwagon, just Bandwagon. I I remember asking, I think, on the Feed My Ears group or maybe the Gentleman's Guide group, does anyone remember a film There was a poster of a train track with an acoustic guitar on it and no one could remember it. Uh, But somewhere along the line, I came across a forum where someone made mention of that film. And like, That's the one. The whole film's on YouTube in 10 parts. It had been put up back in the days before you could get like a whole 90-minute, two-hour film on onto YouTube. But the whole film is still there in 10-minute 10, 10 parts. I, I urge you to go see <coughs> and maybe make a comparison between Hardcore Logo and Bandwagon. Bandwagon is, uh, I wouldn't say it's Bubblegum version of this but it's you know it's not as well not as hardcore as hardcore logo but it's still <laughs> but I, but it is a great film and, and it does have right. you'll watch it you'll see it has a lot of similarities and you know one i was i was really happy to watch again and was quite happy that at the end of it when i watched it again last year i thought you know what i still like it it still holds up so um so that was a delight uh so cool. are we are we all done with with this any final words or are we ready to ask the only thing i
0: the only thing I want to say is that this film might be a little bit hard to find for some. Um, you're going to have to either find it via Amazon or um, you're going to have to buy an actual physical copy because I think Netflix and some of the streaming sites won't have this anymore. Right. So this is a film that you're yeah. really going to have to dig up if you really yeah, want to watch that- it. And I highly recommend it. The DVD that I actually got, the copy that I've got now that is hmm. – is um. Quentin Tarantino saw this, and he was so enamored with the film that he actually put it out as part of his, um, what his was road the – Roadshow, wasn't uh, it? Road his, yeah, the Traveling Roadshow or whatever he called that, his
2: yeah, road uh Roadshow pictures line. or whatever, because he, he did yeah, that, that with – um, He did that with a couple of Wong Kar Wai films.
1: I think <laughs> in, in the mood for love. I think he might have done that for or was it yeah. for um, Happy Together? One of, one of the Wong Kar Wai films, I'm pretty sure he did that for as well. He did
2: it with the uh, – oh, God, what's the uh, – Rolling, Rolling Thunder. Rolling Thunder. That's, that's okay. what it was called, Rolling right. Thunder. Yeah. yeah. No, you're right, Rolling Thunder. That's right. Yeah.
0: Yeah, this was part of the part of his Rolling Thunder releases, is that's the D V D that I got of it.
1: Benny your choice for uh yes. for May. Let's let's have it.
2: Okay, well we uh we're gonna be talking about the counterculture. Uh we're gonna be going back to the sixties. We are going to visit Alice's restaurant.
1: Holy moly. There you go. Nice. That's a that's a very yeah, that's, not, that's a very cool choice. Nice.
2: It's yeah, it's been on my roadmap for a while, and uh, yeah. I shouldn't say anything about it now. But uh, I was—it's funny. Last night I was thinking, oh god, I've got to think of a film to do next month, <laughs> and I was weighing up all the pros and cons of different ones. I had about three in my mind, and then this yeah. just popped into my head, and I thought, yeah. "Look, we got to do Alice's Restaurant. Perfect." Yeah. So
0: yeah, I grew up. There you go. I grew up with Arlo. I grew up with Arlo through my dad. My dad used to play Arlo all the time, and oh, man. I kind of caught shit because of Arlo because. We did a show-and-tell when I was in grade three or four, and I went up and sang a little song in front of my class, and I was singing, Coming into Los Angeles, <laughs> bringing in a couple of keys, yeah. <laughs> don't touch my bags, if you please, Mr. Customs Man.
2: Well, it's, uh, I got, it sounds like we've all got a bit of history with RLO and um, with this film, so it should be a oh, d- yeah. discussion next month.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. Looking yeah. forward to it. And uh, what I for really on. want to do is maybe – um. Maybe next month, I'll dig out the guitar and we can record the three of us singing uh, singing the song in three-part harmony.
2: I'm game if you please.
1: When it comes around again on the guitar in three-part yep. harmony. Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> All right. Okay, so uh, Alice's Restaurant, a, a true piece of culture. Nice. You, you know what? That film would probably be, in a way, a good double bill with uh, the monkey's head. I think I'd, yeah. I'd like... Oh, well, it's yeah, funnily absolutely.
2: enough was one of the other films I was considering. How about that? It's like we're on some kind of telekinetic... You know what? Well,
0: Here's uh, the thing. I actually, that was a given, man. It's yeah, a I given. It. I mean.
1: You know what? I, I covered that film with Terry Frost on um, Love That Album a while ago, but you know what? I'd be more than happy <coughs> uh, at some stage to cover it again on, on C here and cover it with you guys. So um, please... See, the problem f- is
2: when thinking of films to cover uh here on see here because of uh, what terry frost has been doing and also mike white over at the <coughs> with, you just any, any time i come up with something i think oh yeah mike's covered that and uh you know he's done an eight hour episode on it so. <laughs> but
1: but you know what <laughs> even,
2: that at some point so
1: but even mike was more than happy to cover kiss meets the phantom of the park sure, the second yeah.
2: time to do it with us so yeah. so you know yeah. he's, right. he's,
1: he's, he's happy for it and i'm sure you know Terry wouldn't hey, be possessive. so
2: You know what? The, the people demand to know what we think about these things. Correct. So Correct. Absolutely. We're justified in doing this.
1: So that, that'll that happen somewhere along the way. All right. But anyway, so next month, you can get anything you want at See Here Podcast. Bernie has spoken. We will get what we want at Alice's Restaurant. So uh, tune in for that in uh, May 2016. So um, f- just uh, housekeeping details. If you want to get in contact with us, you can email us at podcast <coughs> at, at gmail.com or you can join our facebook group that's uh, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash here. that's S W E H E A R you can download us from either itunes or from our website seehere.podbean.com and uh, please do get in contact with us because you know yeah. we like to know that people are listening to us <laughs> and you know we want to can do it thank you all for listening can we I just add a something?
2: Yes, here, yes, go ahead, please. please. If you guys don't mind. I just wanted to give a shout out to a couple of other podcasts because mm. they're always extremely kind and let us talk about it, see here and publicise new episodes in their Facebook groups and so on. Absolutely. So just I want to give a little bit of love and thanks to to the cult and muscle <gasps> To Silver and Gold. <sighs> fart Noise. <laughs> there we <you> go. <laughs> And and of course to uh, the gentleman's guide to midnight cinema, the uh, the granddaddy of, of all of them. So thank you guys, they're a great podcasts. And if you don't listen to them, what the hell is wrong with you? Get Those should be red. The first three podcasts you listen to after you listen to see here. So yeah, but
1: listen to us first because we're insecure, like like Joe, like Joe Dick. But after that, make it all. Be,
0: it all begins with Willie and Sam. What can I
2: say? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're all their stepchildren, aren't we? We yeah. are. Yeah, Willie. Yep.
1: Sammy thank you <laughs> alright so uh, while I think Tim needs to go get a whiskey and lemon tea so um, we'll, we'll let him uh, go get that but uh, meanwhile thank you so very very much for listening hope you've enjoyed this show thank you please be nice to each other watch some great films listen to some fantastic music and just don't be a Joe dick to each other
5: <laughs>
1: until next time nice. see ya bye cheers bye